0: There we go. And here we go again, right? Looks like it's round three in uh, the book of Job between Job and his friends. Sin, suffering, righteousness, reward. And Eliphaz kicks off this new round, the next cycle. Now, if you're just joining us, uh, we are somewhat in the middle of the book of Job now, And uh, this ongoing conversation between Job and these three three friends that came and uh, to encourage him and to comfort him. Uh, and as we go through this series, you'll notice there's a note sheet in there for you to take notes during the message today. There's also a for further study sheet that gives you questions to consider after today's message. And then at the end of that uh, for further study is the pre-reading for next week. That, uh, I would strongly encourage you to read the next couple chapters in, in preparing for next week's message. We're not going verse by verse through this. Um, we're kind of going theme, idea, that that direction. So um, it's better if you read ahead. Uh, so here we go again, the next cycle. And even when we think Job's friends could not get any further frustrated or angry, they do. They just continue to um, beat Job over the head. He Uh, Eliphaz abandons any sense of civility here and and he drops a more uh, blatant accusation of just flat wickedness. I mean, Job, you are obviously, obviously wicked. Last week, uh, we saw uh, one of the uh, friends drop some lines that basically said, you must not even believe in God. Um, And if you did, because if you did, this stuff wouldn't be happening to you. And I just don't understand why or how these friends can get there. If you would turn to the book of Job, please. Um, it's uh, Job chapter 22, 23, and 24 is where we are today. If, if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you just grab a Bible underneath the seat in front of you or whatever, and you go halfway and you open it up, you may hit Job. You probably most likely will hit the book of Psalms. And if you go to the book before Psalms, that is the book of Job. Find chapter 22, and uh, follow along with me as I read the first nine verses. Then Eliphaz the Timonite replied, Can a man be of benefit to God? Can, can even a wise person benefit him? What pleasure would it give the Almighty if you were righteous? What would he gain if your ways were blameless? Is it for your piety that he rebukes you and brings charges against you? Is it not is not your wickedness great? Are not your sins endless? You demanded security from your relatives for no reason. You stripped people of their clothing, leaving them naked. You gave no water to the weary, and you withheld food from the hungry. Though you were a powerful man, owning land, an honored man, living on it. And you sent widows away, empty-handed, and broke the strength of the fatherless. What is going on? God himself in chapter 1 refers to Job as blameless and righteous. God himself, yet Job's friends... Unknowing of anything in Job's life, I don't know, is this a, a picture back of what Job was like before? I, I, don't, I don't know that to be true. Um, where are they getting this information? Or are they just digging it up? Did they read it on the internet? I mean, because somebody, you, you know, you read, you read reviews on stuff. Uh, motels, whatever, and, and, and some person gets a burr under their saddle, and they can make a place just seem absolutely ridiculous, right? And you're like, well, I'm not going there. And, and then you read another one where somebody was, it's, they were the most friendly staff, and our room was clean, and the service was great, so who do you believe? Uh, we get pretty skeptical in our culture today. We have to be, or somebody's going to rip us off. Right, we get sucked in to some sort of scam. I, I <laughs> this just came as I was sitting here, right here. It's it's from UPS. <laughs> um, the the address is IDX Trackings B I H one at whatever due to an invalid address, you have a package that's, that's need to be delivered, but it has been suspended due to an incorrect delivery address. If you do not update your address, before 24 hours, your package will be returned, and then they give you a little link. And to deliver your 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 package, please update your address. And I'm sure there's a request for your bank account number, too, after you click on that. We, we get those all the time. And so then we're like, you know, you get a phone call from from the Special Olympics or from, you know, the the police officer, whatever, and you're like, I don't know if I believe you. Send me the stuff. I'll think about it. I mean, we just get skeptical. And and I'm super skeptical here. Where, Where is his friends getting this information? Um, not only that, but there are people, I don't think that it's just the four of them at the city dump. I think there are probably other people around. So, so people are hearing Job's friends, they're seeing him in misery, they're seeing Job's friends destroy him emotionally, psychologically, um, not supporting him, and then what then does that do to all of the minds that are around that are listening to this as they think about Job himself? It's, it's lose, lose, lose that's going on right here. And so my first thought of this text, point number one in your notes this morning, is we need to, be, we need to take caution. This is a caution for friends. Uh, as we are friends to other people, we need to think about how we are treating them. We need to think about how we are supporting them. We need to think about are we encouraging them? Are we praying for them? Are we praying with them? Or are we finding things wrong in their life that... Obviously is why you're experiencing what you're experiencing in your life. Um, Eliphaz uh, accuses job of outright wickedness are your are not your sins endless uh I mean. Eliphaz's emotions and need or desire to be right have overtaken him because he's done this twice now, and Job is defending himself every time. Said, "But, but I'm righteous. I've been living like God wants me to. I've been, I've been, I've been doing what God has called me to do." And and these friends just continuing to say, continue to say, "Nope." And and this is yet, I think, another Sunday morning where we need to be reminded that we have people in our lives who are suffering and who need us to come alongside them. And look, if there's judgment that needs to occur in their life, God will take care of that. Or God will give you an opportunity one day. But as, as we sit by somebody who's lying on their deathbed, correcting all the mistakes that they have made in their life, that's not the right time or place. They need our presence. They need love and grace, and that's exactly what Job needs. Because as we've seen, Satan is, is, is using Job's friends as tools to create doubt and discouragement in his life. We need people in our life who support and, and who do their best to understand how we're feeling, not just write that off as, well, you're just dumb or you're just you're just not thinking right, or you've obviously done something wrong. And that's what Job's friends continue to say. Pray with them, sit with them, pray for them quietly, but but these friends. Man, I mean, I, I'm just going to stop right there. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that today. Um, something else I noticed in today's text, the three chapters, is that Job longs for fellowship with God. I think that might be one of the reasons why you're here today. Maybe you're a Christ follower, maybe you're not. But you long for something. You know there's something missing in your life. We all know that there's something that's not right in our life, and we long for God. Job is longing for fellowship with God right here in the middle of his tragedy, surrounded by horrible counselors. Job expresses his desire for God to intervene. God, I want you to intervene. I need you to intervene. And and as he does, his loneliness is causing him to feel like God is hiding from him. You ever feel like that? God's hiding from me. He's got to be because I'm not seeing him. I'm not feeling him. It's so dark in here. I don't see any light. And I think we can all relate to this. Because when we are suffering, we can feel alone. Some of that is, is caused by ourselves and our unwillingness to reach out to others and say, I need help. I need help. I'm, I'm, I'm flailing here. I'm, I'm losing my mind. I'm, I'm losing um, everything. And, and I need your help and it can feel like God isn't even there of course that isn't true but but we can nonetheless feel that way uh, look at job 23 uh, verses 1 through 4 then job replied even today my complaint is bitter imagine that his hand god is heavy in spite of my groaning if only i knew where to find him if only i could go to his dwelling I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. You know, before I go on, we have access to God in that way today. We can cry these things out to Jesus. You know, that song, speak Jesus over your family. What does that mean? What does that look like? Speak Jesus over your church. Speak Jesus over your workplace. It means standing in, in real life, in, in their presence, and, and out loud, silently, hands on, hands off, whatever. Jesus, would you enter into this place? Would you, would you place your loving hand on this person? Would you help them to understand how much you love them and how much you've forgiven them? Speak, Jesus. We can do that. Now, in this process that Job, if you don't know, if you're here and you don't know anything about Job, Job has lost everything. He's lost all of his children were, were killed. He lost all of his property or, or all of his animals. Uh, he lost his health all in the span of a few days. All of his servants All because of a conversation God had with Satan in the throne room of heaven. We are given a glimpse into that. Okay, when God puts his own people in the furnace, and and I believe he does. He puts us in the furnace. He keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. He knows how long and how much we need. And we can trust him for that. Now we may question why he does it to begin with, or why he doesn't turn down the heat or even turn it off. But our questions are only evidence of unbelief. Job in 23:10, gives us the answer to this. He says, "But he, God, knows the way that I take. When He has tested me, I will come forth as gold. It truly is for good that we experience hard things in life and for God's glory. Um, This heat that we are put under at times purifies us just like heat purifies gold. Now, I know you may think at times, God, I'm purified enough. I've endured enough heat. I'm repaired well enough for now. Could we just take a break? And you can ask him that. You can say that to him. I mean, I, he wants to hear from you, but but when we ask and when we cry out as as Job is, we just need to leave it there and trust him, and keep taking that next step that we can if we can see well enough to take it. Um, you know, there's a there's a secular song out there that says, "What doesn't kill us only makes us stronger," right? I, I, I mean. And, and what does kill us, though, when, when we're in Christ Jesus? Wow, isn't that even better? <laughs> I was talking to somebody in the foyer this morning. And it's like, how are you doing? Well, pretty good for today. Better than the alternative. And I said, well, wait a minute. What alternative are we talking about here? Are we talking about dead? Because that's a great alternative if you are in Christ Jesus. Now, just sicker or, or more sore or whatever, yeah, I, I can understand. I, I like where I'm at today. You know, the older I get, the older we get, it's like, man, what else can fall apart? What, what else can squeak? What, what else can crack and creak? And, you know, you bend down to tie your shoes and you think, is there anything else I can do down here while I'm here? Because it can be so hard to get back up. I believe it's okay to ask God if he is there. God, are you there? Help help me to see you. Because I know in my head, God's word tells me, he will never leave me nor forsake me. He is here right now. He is everywhere. And if you can't feel him, then, man, just ask as a way of seeking him, not as an accusation of him leaving you high and dry, but as an honest request. Job also indicates that God is frightening me in, in this chapter. God is completely and totally sovereign. He is in charge. Uh, he does what he wills. He takes action and allows action. And to many, that is comfort. To many others, uh, it, it can be a frightening prospect because we're proud. We like to do what we will. And I'm afraid that if I surrender completely to God in his sovereignty, he's not going to let me have my will and do what I want. I mean, as parents, we, view, we, we think that way with our children, right? We make decisions for our children. We tell them things. In fact, we really like it when they just say, okay, and they go do what we ask them to do, Right? We don't like it so much when they argue with us or want to create or make this a debate. And sometimes we default to the statement when they say why, we say, because I said so. You know what? God can say that to us if he wants to. And you know what we should do? (laughs) Okay. Because I know that when you say because I said so, there's a whole lot of information behind that. There's the sovereignty of God. When I say, because I said so, you know, I may or may not be right. Sometimes as a parent, you know, I make mistakes. I, I make decisions for my children that maybe, maybe weren't the best decision. And later you go, man, I wish I'd have done that differently. That, never, that thought never comes to, through the mind of God. Ever. He never thinks, I wish I had done that differently. We can, com- we can trust him completely. 100%. But Job is experiencing this, this fear. Um, because, so, so if God's sovereignty gives us such comfort and peace, why then is Job frightened when he thinks about God's sovereignty? Um, to this point, Job had suffered so much, he was probably thinking to himself, what next? What else is going to happen? Because if you're a glass half empty kind of person, and many of us are, especially in this skeptical period of time that we live, we begin wondering what next, what next, what next. Instead of only working through and stepping through what we're experiencing right now, we start creating things in our head that might happen next. And that creates fear and anxiety. And we begin to lack trust in God, I mean, it's one thing to submit to God when things are going well and we can see his face, right? And hear his voice in his word. It's a whole nother thing to submit to God when things are dark and hard and, and there's pain and there's suffering involved. Um, Job twenty-three, fourteen. look at verse 14. It says, he carries out his decree against me and many such plans he still has in store. There's something else coming and it scares me. Job is longing for close fellowship with God. And, and his friends, as I already said, instead of being tools in the hand of God to comfort Job, I think they have just laid their selves their, their in the hand of Satan and they're, they're just feeding what his original purpose was to prove that Job didn't really just serve God because God was God. He only served God because God gave him all of this stuff, like bribery. So God is frightening me, Job says. God is hiding from me. He longs for fellowship. Point number three this morning is it, Job complains about the wickedness in the world. When is the last time you said or, or was talking to somebody and you were complaining about the wickedness in the world? This morning? I heard an everyday over here. Right? Um, Job concludes by listing the kinds of severe sins that go on in the world that seem to go unpunished by God. He's just letting them happen. He's making the point that, that God perplexes me. I love this point. God perplexes me. You know what? Praise God. If that's how you feel, amen, hallelujah. He should. He's the creator all-sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, God of the universe, we should be perplexed. We should be amazed. We should be confused at times because we don't see the other side of of the the tapestry. We only see all of the, the, the strings and knots and all of that stuff. We don't see the beauty oftentimes. God perplexes us. God's ways are not our ways. He is Our God is so big. Our God is so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Nothing. And it's foolish to think that we could even begin to understand how or why God does certain things. Um, You know, you get on a a roller coaster and and you hear this clicking and this latching and you see him do things and in some ways it's like, well, why did they do that? Well, you know what? (laughs) Just trust that they did it. Because whatever they did, whatever it was, is probably for your benefit, probably for your safety. I <laughs> heard a guy one time, I don't know if it happened here, I don't know if it's just a story, but it's really funny to think about. He, he, it was a carnival, a, f- a county fair carnival, you know, where they drag the things around and you, you look at him and go, should I really get on this? But your friends go, yeah, we should get on it. This guy came, came to the carnival with a pocket full of bolts and washers and nuts and he was just kind of sprinkling them on the ground. Under, underneath one of the rides. I don't know why that just came to my mind. I just have really no idea. Job, so Job complains of all the injustices in, in his country in verses, 1, in verses 1 through 11 of, of chapter, uh, chapter 24. You know, he's like, uh, men move boundary stones. They pasture flocks they have stolen. They drive away the, the orphan's donkey. They, they take advantage of people that don't have much. They thrust the needy from the path and force all the poor off the land into hiding. Um, they gather fodder in the fields and glean in the vineyards of the wicked. They are drenched by mountain rains and hug the rocks. For lack of shelter, the fatherless child is snatched from the breast. Um, then he complains of all the crimes in the city. I mean, it almost sounds like a contemporary description of cities in our world, doesn't it? Um, in verses 12 through twelve through 17 of chapter 24, the groans of the dying rise from the city and the souls. Of... Basically, he's saying, look, there's suffering everywhere. And and then there are also wicked people everywhere, and they're still alive. They're still enjoying the benefits of this life. They're still breathing oxygen that could be for somebody else. And God is doing nothing against them. So why, Eliphaz, are you telling me that this is happening because I'm wicked when all of the wicked out there aren't experiencing any of this? It's because Eliphaz is wrong. Suffering in life, pain in life, doesn't only happen because we do what's wrong. It happens to all of us. And we're going to see that here in a second after I get this. Wire. Sorry. I've been trying to ignore it. Okay. Injustices in society do cause a great deal of pain in people's life. In ours. Um, And we should certainly do all we can to uphold the law and promote justice. We should do those things. But those who make the laws and those who enforce them are only human. and, And they can't deal with everything Perfectly. What we need to realize is one of these days, Jesus Christ will return and he will in fact judge the wicked and establish his kingdom. Until he comes, we will have to accept the reality of evil in and around us. Well, not in us, around us. And keep praying as Revelation 22.20 says, even so come Lord Jesus. Even so. Even so come Lord Jesus. Jesus. Now, I want to introduce us this morning to a theological term. All right, I was I was reading and I was studying, and I read this paragraph, and I was like, "Wow, that is that is a great description." And it, there was this word in there, and I'm like, "I don't know what that word is." So I looked it up. The word the word is theodicy. Um, the word is theodicy, and and theodicy is an attempt to justify or defend God in the face of evil. By answering the following question, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's basically saying if this is true, this is true, this is true, then, then what is this? Okay, so, so here are those, there are three things, the three truths and then a question. The first truth is God is all good and all powerful, right? We know that from scripture. He is all good, he is all powerful, and therefore he is all-knowing. Number two is that the universe, or God's creation, it was made by God, and it exists in a continuous relationship to God. God is in and around everything, all things. Those two things are true. God is all good and all powerful, the universe was made by God, And number three is, another truth that we know is that evil exists in the world. And the question is, why? If God is those first two things, why hasn't he done away with evil? Why is it even still here? Why did it come into existence in the first place? The problem, you might have heard this described as the problem of evil. And there are people who just love to think about that and, and talk about that and, and pour over information about that and struggle through that. And, and I don't know if any of you do, but when we look at the book of Job, this is, this is a huge thing that we wrestle with all throughout the book. Because we think if God... Because, because we love our children, we want to do good things for them, right? I don't want my children to be in pain. But, but yet, having said that, we'll take a phone away. We'll put them in a corner. We'll ground them. We'll spank them. That's pain and suffering. But we know that that's for their good, right? That's in order that they don't think this thing that they just did is normal. And that they should be allowed to do that. So there is discipline involved. But suffering, suffering is not always discipline. It's not in Job's case. So then how do we answer that question? And, and I want to give you a website. And you can also search. Uh, this is the website. It's kind of a long address. Um, here, here is the thing. Uh, if you just search "theodicy definition," at least, at least in Google Chrome, I don't know what other browser you use. If it, what, what will be at the top? But this is a this is a brief, like, eight page description of what theodicy is and what some of the main um, things that they struggle with, like the experience of suffering, horrific evil, they describe that, the judgment of God, um, metaphysical evil is another thing or another way people think about this this problem. Uh, related issues and problems. There, And then, then here are different ways to think about the problem of evil. There is... Uh, the free will model. There's the soul making model. There's the great design argument. There's the eschatological hope. They're just different ways of trying to reconcile evil and God. Now, none of these are the right answer. None of them, let me say it this way. None of them will make you go, ah, that's it. I understand now. And they shouldn't because God is a complex being and, and his ways are not our ways um, but, and, and then at the bottom of this article is another link and it says click here for a more in-depth version <laughs> so if like you know the Cliff Notes or the Reader's Digest condensed isn't good enough you can click on that and I don't know who wrote this I couldn't find an author But but it's it's on, the, the website is the, um, let's see, I have it written down here. Somebody's probably already found it on their phone, I'm sure. Um, it, it, it is from the Dallas Baptist University. Now, we don't have any f- affiliation with that university, uh, but, but basically it's the process, what that paper describes is the process of thinking and attempting to reconcile the problem of evil with a loving, all loving, all powerful God. Why doesn't he just do away with it? Um, and, and it might also be helpful if you have a friend who is like a philosopher or a deep thinker and you need some help in trying to understand where they're coming from or how they're thinking through this. I, I think this, I honestly think this paper, this paper could help. Um, why, why would, so so. The question is why? Why would God direct Satan toward Job? Why would he do that? Why, uh, why would God allow Job to experience such suffering? You know, I, I've, I've been by the bedside of people who are suffering deeply, and they're like, just why can't it just be over? Well, I don't know. That's not our decision. That's God's. You know, why did my dad lay on his deathbed literally for almost 10 days? And every time the hospice nurse came, the first time she was like, uh, he'll probably go, you know, overnight. And then the next day she was like, well, it's maybe a couple days. And, and like by the fifth day, she was like, I'm not even going to say anything. Obviously, his heart is stronger than we thought it was. Um, it, it's going to be kind of up to him and God. Yes. Now, we can try and figure out why God allowed him to linger breathing and and his heart beating but really not able to speak or say anything. I mean there were some things that we all experienced together as we surrounded him and gave him his medicine every four hours. I was on the two AM and or was it one AM and five AM shift I don't know the answer why God allowed that. But he did. And I'm sure it was for good reason. And all we could do is walk together and trust him. And that's what we did. That is what we did. And then, and then a blizzard came. And I looked at my brother and I said, because all the roads were closed, I looked at my brother and said, what if dad dies? And they can't get here. What are we going to do with him? And he's like, well, I don't know put him outside in a (laughs) snowbank. I mean, at that point, it was like very practical. What are we going to do? Now, praise God that we didn't have to cross that bridge, you know. um, It was just all part of the experience. Let, Let me Let me read to you what David J. Atkinson said, and this is where that word came from. I don't know if it's in this particular part, but he says, From our Christian perspective, too, we are still left with uncertainties about the problem of suffering. It remains a problem for us precisely because it seems to call into question the goodness or the power or the wisdom of the God in whom we believe. But God comes to us in Christ, not as the last line of a logical syllogism, solving all our intellectual problems, but as a crucified man on a cross, bearing our griefs and carrying our sorrows. The questions of theodicy have to be radically rethought in the light of the crucified God. We may not find answers, but we discover that in the depths of our pain and our questions, God is there beside us in the person of Jesus Christ. It is communion with him which gives us the grace to live with questions and uncertainties. You know, if your children just trust you as a parent, you know, it takes care of some of those questions and uncertainties because they're like, you know what, dad's... This isn't true, but dad's always right. Dad Dad knows what he's talking about. Dad gives good advice. Dad gives good wisdom. When we go to God's word, when we're suffering, and we have friends who come around uh, beside us, or we are a friend beside someone, and we're pointing them to the truth of the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ, man, it is a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing. So, so there are... Uh, Wow, that's not right. I am now lost. Oh, there it is. Sorry, it wasn't highlighted. It was tucked away in kind of like some landing strips at certain airports. Number four three applications of today's court battle. S- So I flew with Mr. Lashley to Lincoln, Nebraska, to go to a football game, and there were two runways, one really big, long, wide one, and one little, tiny one tucked in next to the airport. And they told me to land on the little one, and I chose the big one instead. (laughs) That was what that little, sorry, comment was. I shouldn't do things like that. Three applications of today's court battle. The first one is this. There is value in repentance. Okay, there is value in repentance. Chapter 22, verse 5 says, Is not your wickedness great? Are not your sins endless? And as I have said many times in the course of this study, wrong person, wrong time for that statement to be made. But that statement is true of all of us. We are sinful people. Deserving of hell, but by the grace and mercy of God, he sent Jesus Christ to die and in our place, and and when we put our faith and trust in what he did for us, he washes us over with his blood, and God sees us through the blood of Jesus as perfect and as righteous um, Eliphaz is not wrong. We have sin in our lives. We all sin. And, and then Eliphaz tells, tells, tells us what we need to do about it in verse 23 of chapter 22. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. If you remove wickedness far from your tent, and and he is right, Jesus preached this same message in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. Job twenty two twenty six 26 and 27, surely then you will find delight. If you repent, you will find delight in the Almighty and, and will lift up your face to God. You will pray to him and he will hear you and you will fulfill your vows. Yes, this happens when we clear the air in our relationship with Jesus and we get on our knees and repent of things that we have done wrong. He lifts us up. The weight off of our sho- is lifted off of our shoulders. Peace enters in even in the midst of suffering. Acts 3, 3.19, we're told, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We are all guilty of disobedience of God's commands. All of us. And the amazing thing is that when we do sin, God has provided a way for us to be restored from that. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Whether that's just the darkness of suffering, whether that's the struggles of life or that sin that, that we are repenting of, he will, in fact, help us. We will receive that mercy and that grace. First John 1, 8, 9, and 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I kind of feel like that's where Job's friends are. We're all good, but you, buddy? Man. And here in a few chapters, when God starts laying it out, it's the friends that need to Repent. We claim to be without sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And God welcomes us when we take such action. There is value in repentance. There is also value in fearing God. Okay, Job frequently describes God's nature and character. Verse uh, 6 and 7 of chapter 23, I believe. Would, would he vigorously oppose me? No, he would not press charges against me. There the upright can establish their innocence before him, and there I would be delivered forever from my judge. Okay, that's a couple statements of faith. Verse 12, even though Job is, Job is suffering, he says, I have not departed from the commands of God's lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more then my daily bread. More affirmation that Job is unwavering in his faith in his God. That he has trust and obedience of God. But then Job makes this statement in verses 15 and 16. That is why I am terrified before him. When I think of all this, I fear him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Terrified. I fear him. The Almighty has... Wow, I mean, this seems surprising, doesn't it? Because we don't talk about God in that way today. Um, And rightly so, because we enjoy a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, a direct connection with Jesus Christ. We think of God as both our friend and our heavenly father. Uh, Paul wrote in verse in Romans 8.15, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. However, we must be cautious not to get to, uh, uh, what, what would the word be? Comfortable to, um, to something else complacent, in to what? Too chummy. chummy. That's a great word. You know, it reminded me of this T-shirt that I saw a while back. You ever seen this shirt? Drives me nuts. I'm like, seriously? This is the savior of the universe. And yes, he refers to us as friend. But homeboy or homie, that's another one that... That, that I saw, um, it just simply lacks reverence. Um, it's why my parents wouldn't let me run through the sanctuary. It was irreverent. Really? I, I still push back on that one. This is a building. This is not the church. This is not the temple. This is a gathering place. Though if you're running into people, then you better slow down. Because that's not very thoughtful. I mean, Jesus is, is creator, sustainer, Lord of all things. Now, throughout the Old Testament, we see when people are, are when God appears before them or they, they come before God, they mainly react with fear. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. There was fear. When Peter began to realize who Jesus was, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And as I said last week, fear is a normal uh, emotion. Fear is a normal feeling. It can be good, there is value in it. But this fear is not cowardly fear. Our fear of God, our fear of Jesus, is not cowardly fear. We aren't afraid of God in the same way that, that we are afraid of the dark or afraid of wild animals. God does not seek to harm us, however, we benefit when we have a proper respect for God's power and his holiness. This is why Solomon wrote in Proverbs 1, 7, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction." It is in reverence and fear that we get down on our knees and we pray what David prayed in Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There is value in repentance. There is value in fearing the Lord. And finally, there is value and when we are prepared, when we recognize that evil is a real and present danger in the world. It would seem that Job is finished defending himself before his friends and now he turns turns Eliphaz's words against him as he highlights the reality that evil people do exist in the world and live a full life. A byproduct of Job's argument is the fact that evil does have a place in our world. There is injustice and there are powerful people choosing as he describes in Job 24, 9 and 10, the fatherless child is snatched from the breast. The infant of the poor is seized for a debt. Lacking clothes, they go about naked. They carry the sheaves, but still go hungry. So though there is no explanation, we can believe that Job's suffering isn't guaranteed to come from the punishment of God. Which, of course, we know to be the exact case here. That is correct. Having said that, it is easy to throw blame at God for the existence of evil. This goes back to theodicy. After all, we might reason, he surely could have prevented it, right? Wasn't there some other way? But the very fact that it is part of our world is proof, I think, that God has a purpose for it. And God's purposes are always good. He can use even the worst of the worst, most detestable actions of evil for good. And, and now this next thing has been a new thought for me this week. Uh, maybe it's old to you, but it has never really clicked for me as it is related to suffering and the problem of evil. Can you think about, think about what the most evil, vile, cruel, nasty thing that, that ever has happened on the face of the earth could be. I was talking to Brandon this morning and we were talking about this and, and, and he mentioned like World War, genocide. Genocide. And then I mentioned, yes, abortion. But there's, a, there's one worse. There is one worse. The crucifixion of a perfect absolutely perfect son of God on a cross okay think about it with me that crucifixion resulted in every one of us having the opportunity to be reconciled to a perfect and loving God if there weren't evil in the world does that crucifixion happen now you're already thinking, yeah, but if there wasn't evil, that crucifixion wouldn't have been necessary. You know what? All right, I get it. We could make that, have that conversation. I don't get it. I don't get. It. But when God created the universe, it, it's not like God created the universe and He said, "Okay, that's Plan A." Oh well, man, sin didn't obey Me. Well, I guess we're down to Plan B and C. God knew everything. Why did He still create? I have no idea. He's God. I am not. I'm glad he did because I experienced a lot of things in life that are good. And you have to. But I don't understand all of that. In the end, in the end it's one of those things where you just say it's just like it's it's just a mystery. It's just a mystery. But the beautiful thing is Those first two things are true. God is all loving and he loves you because he sent his son Jesus to endure evil on a cross so that you and I might be saved. Wow. Do I wish there was less evil in the world? Yes. Do I fight against it at every turn? Yes. But God's ways are way bigger than my ways. And I just, whatever happens, I need to continue to trust him because all things, including evil, work together for good. And there will come a day when God judges it all. And I want to be on the right side of that judgment. And I really hope you do too. Romans 8, 28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. have been called according to his purposes repentance reverence the fear of God the readiness to fight spiritual battle that rages in our world truth faith complete and total trust in our sovereign God in readiness may we say even as the Lord gives and takes away we will trust him and we will praise his name worship team come up let's sing this last song Lord Jesus I pray that you would help all of us wrestle through this Um, it's it's not a bad thing to, to wonder and have questions and, and ask hard, difficult questions that maybe your word answers clearly, maybe it doesn't. Maybe we've just, uh, as, as we grow in our relationship with you and our knowledge of the word, we haven't been taught a specific thing yet. We just don't know. And maybe it's one of those things which you know that we just don't need to know the answer to. God, I pray Pray that you would help us all just continue to wrestle through this. And as we do, our eyes would look up to you. That we would trust you. Jesus, you said yourself in John, in the book of John, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May we know you, Jesus, every person here. Help us to worship you. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.